The views and opinions expressed on Analyze This are entirely those of the on-air participants and do not reflect those of the station's board, management, staff, or underwriters. And good Wednesday morning and welcome to a hump day edition of Analyze This here on your NPR station in the U.S. Virgin Isles, WTJX-FM. We yours truly, Neville James. Today is the 27th of September. When today's done, 90% of the month gone. <clears throat> and it just started. That's um. So they'll say, that's how curious one to say, it started. Uh, just started the other day, man. And here we are. So when Sunday comes, that's October 1. Wow. September flyby. That's a good thing. Because normally September is when, if anything happens to us significantly, um, it happens in September. And it didn't happen this year. And we got the, um, we got Vaitima. Uh, Daryl Jashing gonna be joining us uh, in a little bit. He probably join us now, and we're uh, also gonna be joined by the uh, Department of Health and EMS and all that stuff. Yeah, come down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're uh, in. So we're looking forward to having that discussion uh, with um, the powers that be. So looking at the NOAA map and looking at some disturbances. I see Philippe uh, is at our uh, that would be our latitude right 17.6 because we're at 17.7 but it's still uh, it's, and it's moving due west though right now so we gotta keep an eye on that right uh, Director Jason good morning glad to have you here hey good morning Neville and you're exactly right we're keeping an eye on it but it's supposed to stay a tropical depression by the time it gets to us with much much needed rain okay okay so it's, it's heading west it's not veering off to the north it's, it's, it's going it's it was tra- projected to but uh, woken up this morning talking to Ashwater Service in Puerto Rico mm-hmm. it's uh, not going as far to the north to stirring directions keeping it to the west and uh, the disturbance behind it, we'll see what happens also. Some of it's staying low. Yeah, but the key that. thing for us, gosh, gosh, we need to get that some of that rain. Not We don't need, you know, No, I took a drive. Inches, I took a drive yesterday up on yeah. the eastern side, eastern side of the island. It's dry up there, man. We need, we could use some rain. Very much so. Yeah, yeah. But we don't want no storm, though, you know what I'm saying? Wind shear is supposed to actually kicks in around this time of the, this time of the month. Yes, wind shear definitely is something that, prevents uh, storms from developing and basically we talk about chopping the head off the storm Mm -hmm. it goes counterclockwise it goes clockwise it basically keeps it from forming and that's part of what you have with the El Nino effect in the impact in the Caribbean I learned about that wind shear effect Um, what was it Uh, after Maryland there were some storms that was coming around and we were panicking again and um, I think it was was Oscar I think that was the name and uh, they said no the wind shears uh, that's not 
Yeah, there's all, all those different factors have to come together to, mm-hmm. to, to form it and sustain it. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the warm the warm waters, water, the, the warm water is really the biggest issue. The lack of dryness, you know, the Sahara mm-hmm. dust is our friend, but in some cases, our enemy of respiratory. But mm-hmm. that also keeps the environment very, very dry. So we've, we've lost a lot of that, and it's, it's seasonal. So we, we lose that, we know it. But uh, the combination, as long as that wind shear stays there, it really will keep chopping the tops off of the, the formations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, let's get right to it, man. You went up. You went up for a trip in Hurricane Lee. You and Richie Mota. Yeah, there are four of us total that went up. Four so, of us. Okay. So, so there's two that went up on a second flight. The, the NOAA Hurricane Hunters and this to everybody, they traditionally will come down here. Both C-130 aircraft, which are traditional ones, the uh, Reserve 54, 53rd Air Reconnaissance Squadron does, and then NOAA brings down two special airplanes full of scientists. Mm-hmm. And these are these are just fantastic machines. First of all, they're called P-3 Orions. Um, they're done by the Navy. Navy. They're designed to be like sub hunters as well as intelligence platforms. They're just built to have lots of communication equipment. They have radars galore in there. But uh, Richard Moda, Director Moda, and I went up on a uh, second flight, which says uh, Friday night. Uh, we reported at, at 2.30 in the afternoon at the flight line, got a great brief. Uh, wheels up, supposed to be at 4.30 mm-hmm. in the afternoon, and they had some challenge with the radar. Radar. Uh, for them, specific one, you have to have three references of orientation. You need to know where you are in the world, like on the plane. You need to know where you are reference to the, the world. And you need to know where the storm is. Mm-hmm. So all this comes to bear, and we want to attack the storm um, at a perpendicular angle. So a lot of this has, has to come together to, one, for safety, and two, in order to maximize the, the benefits of the, of the instruments that we do have. So we had about an hour delay until we were able to take off. But once they close that door, you're in for eight hours. Wow. And that's it. And yeah, because you, te- you texted me in uh, about 4 o'clock, and then... Um, uh, and then when I heard from you again, it was after one. Yeah, we, we, we came back yeah. 1.30 in the morning, yeah. uh, safely returned back. Uh, it's one of those things that... Uh, when they close that door, you're like, okay, we're going to go into it. And, of course, you know, as you're going up, they're giving you safety briefings and what to do. And everybody's very, very professional. Uh, the pilots are great. Uh, it, it's more relaxed going there. But then once you start realizing you're going into that storm mm-hmm. and, and the beauty behind the radars, they have Doppler radars, they have front-looking radars, they give you like a five-minute warning and they give you like a 30-second warning and you strap in and then you got about a 30-minute ride going through the penetration um, from one end to the other end to the, to the what, eye, what is, eye what, what is it about the construction of the Hurricane Hunters that allows it to do that? Well, it, it's really one, it's a prop plane. You want a prop plane because the props are the most responsive to a, a pilot's throttle request. Mm-hmm. So a lot of what we're doing there, we're actually having to keep the plane at a proper speed. And when you go into the, the eye or you go through the storm, it's between 220 knots and 240 knots. If you, I was up in a cockpit for one of the runs, we had six runs through the storm. Mm-hmm. So, so you're trying to, to watch what's happening. You got lightning all over the place. And then basically you're throttling constantly up and back uh, on, the, on the engines, the four engines, to keep it at that 220 to 240 uh, optimal uh, um, speed. One, mm-hmm. for safety. And two, again, we have a lot of scientific instruments that are being dropped at the same time and radars to build that data. That data is going real time up to Miami to the National Hurricane Center. And we dropped, I think, close to 40 of these little ISO drones that went through. Plus, we dropped some things into the water that had you know buoys that were bouncing around. It was phenomenal. It's a flying scientific platform. Mm-hmm. But uh, the plane itself is is Navy hardened, if you will. It's built back in the, the 70s. 
Um, it was designed to fly about 1,500 feet above the ocean looking for submarines. That was the original. Okay. And so NOAA has repurposed two of them. Uh, they're called uh, P-3 Orions. One's uh, November 42, one's November 43. Uh, one's affectionately called Kermit, and one's affectionately called Miss Piggy. The so, frog. The yeah, frog. Yeah, yeah so, so the, Mr. Henderson, they, uh, they licensed the naming for that. So it, it went back to early on, they were competing about who had the nicest plane, and so people would go up. And the only very few people go up besides the scientists, first mm-hmm. of all. So we had a very great treat. So, so thanks to the NOAA, uh, you know. What, what kind of planes were, were NASA using when they were here back in 2001, they, when they were making runs from here to the Azores, they were doing that? Uh, they were they were here for a while. They were they were making long runs yeah. to uh, study weather. That was, that's a different type of. I, I believe uh, so because he also yeah. had a separate aircraft, more of a, a private jet that was going up yeah. above it, like forty thousand feet. We okay. were at eight eight thousand feet first okay. of all, so we we're okay. we we're right in the mix. Yeah. We're looking to round down or through and under. But here from here to the Azores is a long way. It, it is. And, it is but, a long way. But, but they were they were making long runs and gathering information. That was in September of two thousand one. Mm-hmm. I think we had a, actually had a lady who drowned, right, over there. Yeah, at, I, I believe so. You're right. At, unfortunately, at, 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 um, at, the, at, at the, the pools, tidal pools. Yeah. At the pools, yeah, yeah. yeah that's unfortunate. Yeah, it was very unfortunate. Uh, we want to send no condolences to her. Yeah. A couple of years. Yeah, that was, that was unfortunate. But that, but yeah. the scientists here, and you know, just uh, you know, these are you know young men and women. You know, they got flip flops and t-shirts on, but all of a sudden they put on their gear and they're into mode. You have scientists been doing it for years and years. In fact. Uh, one of the science stations were actually validating the instruments to go up in the next Landsat, which is a weather satellite that we have go up. So mm-hmm. they're doing a lot of validation. And once everything's set to go, they'll either put it up in satellites or they'll get a bit of the next iteration of it over to the, um, you know, the C-130s, and they don't do the mission. So we had a C-130 up there nearby, about 2,000 feet above us, flying their mission and, and also dropping isodromes. So those are more of the, you know, the hardened, you know, this is it, and we're going to mm-hmm. get that data going back and forth. A lot of our stuff was scientific and was really fun to watch. And uh, and the, again, at 30 minutes each run you go through, and then you had a little break where you turn around and come back through a different angle. They call it a butterfly plat pattern. So you go from you know lower, and you go from really the least wind side of the storm to the most wind side of the storm. So we, we came in from the west, and then we went through mm-hmm. on the east. The last run we did uh, was rough. <laughs> yeah, no, about, no, yeah. Richie was here with, uh, uh, excuse me, Director Moda. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was here with the governor. The following Thursday, and he explained it and, and, and how the whole thing went. So I said, "Yeah, we're waiting for uh, the Vitima director to come to give us the more uh, detailed uh, explanation uh, of of how that went." Um, <clears throat> was uh, I was watching a uh, documentary one time, a mini documentary on on the Weather Channel. These planes have the ability to hover over the storms. And just drop in, drop instruments right down. Yeah, I, um, I would not use the word hover. Uh, they basically <laughs> are flying 220 the, knots, but yeah, they're, yeah. they're 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 predicted, uh, predetermined uh, runs. They do about nine drops per run. They're, hit, they're hitting the edges as you go in mm-hmm. to the storm. You're hitting um, the strength, strongest part of the storm. You're hitting the eye eye wall of the storm, and as you go back out, so each drop, you're, it's it's uh, it's like a radar on it. It's like a GPS on there. It's taking all this data, sending it back up there to the plane. It's being validated by the scientist. Um, this valid before it goes out, and then at the end of the night, we, we we captured 33 gigabytes of data. They had to go back and send back up to the scientists. 33 gigabytes. Yeah, so that's a lot of gigabytes. Yeah, and that's just zero. That's a lot. There's no pictures. It's just, but they have a lot of radar pictures inside, so you can see. But the telemetry, the the the. the, the 
the the the way that that uh, the technology has the ability to gather information. That's just absolutely mind-boggling. Yeah, and, and it all goes into these models. You know, we talk about the different models and stuff, the mm -hmm. variables, so it's really all those uh, differences from the heights, then as you drop these things, little small parachutes on them, different directions they go. The first couple we dropped, like, they went straight down. We said, well, the parachute's not open. No, we, we had that wind shear. just wasn't that much wind on that side as we went in there, and all of a sudden, and you get the rain, uh, hard, hard rain bands you hit, and then for us at nighttime, you can tell right when we're getting ready to go into it because all of a sudden it's like a strobe light gets turned on and just you have nonstop lightning. Uh, we did get hit coming back by lightning. You know, I think we lost one of our engines coming back also, which is normal. So for that normal, wow. normal operate, it's not like it was on fire. It just, it, it been through harsh environments. These are not specially designed engines, uh, but the pilots, they do a very good walk around afterwards, uh, before, uh, and even during the flights where you have flashlights going out, checking the plane wings, checking the, the areas, because you go in some harsh, harsh environments uh, in there. Uh, but again, uh, it, the weird thing is you look at the radar, you see a big red blob, and you realize you're about to go through that real big red blob. Usually you go around it, but all of a sudden they're telling, no, we're going to go right through that, and we're going to find the eye wall. And, um, and it's great because you had the headsets on, the scientists are talking to the pilots and there's a lot of coordination going on and the timing for dropping um, is, is really, really important to have that, uh, that system going on. It's about, you know, 22 people overall on the plane, I would say. Uh, but you have about six or seven different stations that are set up. And between the runs, it's just like a normal airplane. But all of a sudden, you get that 30-second warning, you strap in, and the roller coaster ride begins. So I'm looking at the uh, meteorological, meteorological history for Lee. And uh, at the time when you... And uh, Director Mota um, went in for the visit, right? Um, it was, what, uh, northeast of Puerto Rico and the Dominican Republic? And, uh, yes, yes. That time? North, yeah, it took us about an hour to get out to it. Mm -hmm. uh, yes. so, at, so at that time, it was a Category 3, Category 2 storm. Well, we, we the night before, it was a Category 5. Yeah. We, went in, it, when it, we went in, it was a f 4 when we came out is probably a strong three. And then it, you know, Mark Walters went in and uh, John Nussenbach went in two nights later and it mm -hmm. was down to a three and a two. Okay, okay. Uh, so when you went in, it was anywhere from 110 to 150 miles an hour. Yeah, yes. That's a category three, category four. Yeah. Right? Yes. And, and the challenge for us, we were trying to find the eye, the eye of the hurricane, yeah. which is very important. And the night before... And it's, also, it's not always well defined. No, and it was not. So the night before, it was like an eight mile wide. It's just a very small eye. And when we were there, basically the eye collapsed in. Mm -hmm. And so it was all about the eye wall and heavy, heavy rain in the eye wall. But it really didn't form at all. So really trying to figure out what does that mean for the, the hurricane development? Was it, And we think it was the wind shear was really having the impact yeah. like he talked about yeah. on that. But uh, it, yeah, four, three, <laughs> it was a pretty wild ride. No, so let me ask a final question um, <clears throat> as it relates to what we're looking at with uh, Philippe. Um, one of the things we learned uh, tracking storms, um, people tend to focus on the strength of the storm, right? However, uh, we, the, another metric that we use is uh, the the pressure, right? Mm -hmm. So right now, Philippe um, is at a thousand. What you yeah, got? A thousand, a thousand yeah. uh, milli millibars. That's what it's a thousand yes, millibars. Mm -hmm. um, the closer the 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 pressure gets to 900 that's a problem yeah the, so it starts dropping it starts yeah, dropping drop right? it, intensification will come with the dropping mm -hmm. of it 
and that was part of the flight briefing we were seeing was you know what pressure on the 890 uh 880s like that's pretty low so yeah. those are those conditions we know we're going into mm-hmm. uh, but yes yeah, pressure is one of those um the, the wind speeds obviously but i look at the, the how fast the storm is moving also yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah that's yeah, that's yeah. other piece because yeah. you know a, 20 mile an hour storm to me is a freight train coming through here. Oh, yeah. Three mile an hour storm is nothing. That's a, no, no. Yeah. That's a problem. Yeah, that's why that. a category two is like, oh, no big deal. No, a category two is a big deal. If it's, if it's, if it stops. Yes. And then the yeah. quadrant of that storm is what you're looking at also. Yeah. Like, because, yeah. Because certain parts of the quad, certain parts of the, certain quadrants of the storm have a lot of rain. Some have a lot of wind intensity. Yep. Uh, those are things that you're looking for. Yeah, those that went through Maryland in 95 and St. Thomas know this. So mm. it, it was that we call the dirty part of that storm just went right across Charlemagne. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was a Category 2. But it did tremendous damage because of the, the area of that storm. Irma, the Irma had a similar effect on yeah. St. John and, it, uh, Exactly, uh, exactly. With, with, but with, Irma was not a 2. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, that, 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 rough that, days, yeah, rough yeah. times. So we're looking at Philippe. Um, 685 miles east of the northern Leeward Islands, and maximum sustained winds at 45 miles an hour. So that's a tropical storm right now. Yes. Right. Yes. And uh, the present movement is west at 12 miles an hour, which is a which is a concern. 12 miles an hour is always a concern. That, right? That's that's about average. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the thing we watch with tropical storms. But you don't want it to slow down. You well, you'd like yeah, for it to it, get back exactly, to 15. Exactly. You know what I'm saying. Um, and, and, yeah. then, and then you, you uh, anticipated weakening, which is yeah, a good yes, thing. Yes, tropical right? depression. Uh, and this this type of storm, they're, they're so undefined, they can go all over the place. You know, they'll form different directions. And we talk to the Washington Service in Puerto Rico a lot. So the, the more defined the storm is, the stronger it is, the better path you can predict it. Mm-hmm. Like we, you know, like Lee, for example, was a classic track from, from as soon as it hit that Cat 3, it, it just kept on going right on track from all the weather systems, the models line right up. Um, that's where we had challenges with, uh, like Fiona came through with the tropical depression, tropical storm. Then we took a Cat One. It was so difficult to really predict where it was going to be. Uh, but so you see the two different systems, the one behind it coming up next. They will interact a certain degree. And then, of course, you have these high pressure systems that are above it that are, we call them stirring. They will provi- prevent it from going north. It will make it go more to the west. And we watch those very closely also. Okay, good. We're talking with Daryl Jashin, uh, who literally experienced firsthand uh, what the hurricane hunters um, experience on a regular basis, uh, having went on a, uh, a mission, a recon mission. Uh, <laughs> uh, back on, that would be Friday. Well, Friday, the, the, this Friday is going to be the 29th. That would have been the 8th, Friday, September 8th. I, I or, or the, or, was, or, yeah, yeah. Either the 8th or the 1st, right? And, uh, and, and what's neat now, but when you finish, uh, they, they they present you a little I don't know if Richard showed this to you a <laughs> patch of and it says you know you know one hurricane and number of penetrations at least one we went through six. Oh, that's good. That's um, good. And I, I can tell you, Mark Walters also he he did some great videos. He has like a a time lapse video he has posted on his Facebook that's, page. That's, but, that's uh, awesome. It was great. And again, the hurricane hunters are fantastic uh, gentlemen, ladies to work with, scientists. Uh, they are really, really good. No, we, when we spoke with them, they, they were nice. We'll take a break. We'll come back and talk about um, another two months of the hurricane season. Be back right after this. Your credit score controls a lot of what you can do and have access to. Introducing Credit Score by Bank of St. Croix. Bank of St. Croix's credit score include 
daily access to your score, real-time alerts, personalized credit report, and special offers. Bank of St. Croix has two locations, one in Gallus Bay, 340-773-8500, and one in Peter's Rest, 340-713-8500. Bank of St. Croix, bankofstcroix.com, or the Bank of St. Croix app. The PBS NewsHour has a rich legacy of in-depth reporting and strong storytelling. Only four people have sat in that chair before us, and the enormity of this moment is not lost on me. People turn to us because they know they can hear from trusted sources of information and news. That won't change a bit, even as the faces behind the desk change. Good evening. I'm Jeff Bennett. And I'm Amna Nabaz. Weekdays at 7 p.m. on WTJX-TV, Channel 12. WTJX's Taste of Two Islands is back. Join us at Antilles Mark C. Marin Center on December 14th for the long-awaited return of the taste, a culinary feast for the season. Hosted by me, George Culturman Silcat. Early bird tickets go on sale beginning Monday, October 16th through Tuesday, November 14th. Tickets will be available at Chelsea's Drugstore in Red Hook, Barefoot Buddha across from Haven Site Mall, and Bonita's Cantina in Niski Shopping Center. Tickets can also be purchased online at wtjx.org forward slash taste or Call 340-774-6255 or 340-690-7293. Don't miss this opportunity to experience the magic of local cuisine as you dance to the rhythms of Spectrum Band. Sponsors for this event are VI Lottery, Antilles School, West Indies Company, Cardo Wine and Spirits, First Bank, Bellows International, the VI Office of Highway Safety, and the VI Housing Finance Authority. It's the return of the taste, Thursday, December 14th at 6 p.m. A taste you can never forget. with uh my team director uh daryl jessen the 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 hurricane season lasts for six months um you guys go through uh you guys go through a debrief in december and january after the after the the season comes so close definitely we debrief and we start in january getting ready for the, the next season mm-hmm. and really this goes back to what uh team and fema do uh, looking at the agencies, looking at strength, looking at some lessons learned. Also, I talked to FEMA about you know what's happened in other storms, like what's ha- what lessons we've learned from uh, Florida storms, from Hawaii storms. Uh, so we look at, at different things that impact the community that may be similar for us. Uh, we found a lot from Florida with Ian. Um, pet shelters, for example, 21,000 pets they had to take care of in that little area that got hit by Ian in the big, Florida. The Big Ben area in, uh, in Florida? No, this is the one before that. This is the one down in Fort Myers. Fort Myers, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so but the same thing, you realizing, you know, people will not leave their homes without their pets. And mm-hmm. so for us trying to set up as conditions by that, pets can come in in shelters and uh, set things up. It's something that we've really taken on as a community, Department of Human Services, and that's one of the lessons that we'll probably continue for next year. Um, to work on, but we had 17 different initiatives last year. Uh, this year, we'll look at some lessons learned, and of course, you know, a lot of preparations gone into this. Uh, a lot of education to the community. 
a lot of time spent at the legislature explaining things and, and having good dialogue for that, but really goes back to the strengths of our agencies. In some cases, we'll have a, a, a new commissioner, like Department of Human Services, we'll have a new commissioner here, mm-hmm. nominee, pretty soon. Mm-hmm. So we'll look at sitting down and t- developing that relationship again. Uh, we're looking at obviously shelters are a huge thing. We talked about the schools, our shelters primarily, and we'll continue to work on those and get those better and better for, for next year. Okay, that's, uh, that, that's good. If you uh, were to give some uh, priority needs right now for your agency um, as relates to shelters and energy and all that stuff, um, what would that be? If, if you had, if the, if the legislature were to call you back in and said, uh, um, we just received some monies, uh, uh, m- m- Director Jackson, um, given what we're dealing with now uh, in this hurricane season, what, what would you? What would be your priority areas? Well, it's interesting because there, there's things that I can control as a director of Ravitima, like my agencies. You know, mobile EOCs are important to have. Ours are probably 30 years old now. Uh, I have you know improvements I want to make and and developing Herman Hill, going back to there, and I have a 29 million dollar project to do that. So I control those. Mm-hmm. Um, it's when we start looking at the schools, for example, and I get thanks to Director Kyle Fleming from Energy Office, we are putting a microgrid out there at, at Complex, not because it's a shelter, because that's a great space to put a, a microgrid. That's going to benefit the shelters out there. Uh, when we get that going because we will already have an alternate energy power supply right now. I'm having to provide two 100-kilowatt generators out, one at Complex and one at SeaTech, and we've done that for years. We did it during Irma and Maria through the uh, Corps of Engineers, so we know that. So I think anything we can do to help our our shelters uh, on the islands of St. Croix, St. Thomas, St. John, and in Water Island, there's a little community center out there, but we looked at it this year. It's not set to be a... uh, a good congregate shelter prior to storm. And we always talk about the boaters. Where did the boaters stay? Where did they go? A lot of boaters in the past have gone to Water Island to spend time there mm-hmm. or post-event to go there. It's a good post-event shelter for handing out food, water, and staying there. Obviously, work with the Red Cross is a huge, huge thing for us. But I think the shelters are always a challenge for us in the territory. The legislature uh, always has a good conversation with us in trying to make those better. We started evaluating shelters again uh, in January last year. And what we did this year, and this is through Governor Bryan, his legislature wants to support this also, it's fantastic. We reached out and said, look, uh, Gift Hill School, for example, we, we went, went, talked to them, uh, walked through the area. They have a generator. They have space. They have a, a strong area to get through up to category probably a two. But they said, look, uh, we'll do a, a MOA with you. We'll provide you a, a stipend to reserve that shelter uh, for the season. And if we, if we use it, we'll rent it per day. And their board agreed upon that and took us uh, about six months to go through that process. But that's a great contribution. Now we have 140 more um, spots to put individuals on the island of St. John we have never had before. We mm-hmm. always have had, you know, 15 at Agent Senior Center and Sprouse School before. We used that post uh, Irma, but then that became uh, compromised. So we really want to reach out to the community, uh, churches, uh, schools private sector if you want to become and again we have some monies to help reserve that if you will and we go through contract with you but you have to have um, a, a shelter spot that we can put individuals in uh, we basically for gift hill school for example we'll sign for the keys and then we'll return the keys back after the uh, event goes by but it's only considered a a congregate shelter for safe haven going through the storm after the storm if you're homeless we have to still find a spot for you to go to uh, on St. John besides Agent Senior Center. So that's a step in the right direction. We want to continue those conversations with the private sector, but always this challenge has been, do you have a generator? That's a huge, yeah, huge thing to have. Yeah. Now, the, 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 the plan for a, 
uh, the Water and Power Authority, um, they are, well, the government, they're putting in a, a generator in St. John. Uh, I've been talking about that for three, four years. Um, so that uh, in the event, you know, if unfortunately we're impacted by a storm, they're not dependent on the Holly plant to provide power to St. John. Isn't that something that Vitima also should, uh, should that, that they, they should include into the mix given Vitima's, yes. Vitima's overall concern for the entire territory? Right. Overall, as we're developing part of the recovery and also putting a microgrid out there on St. John is understanding is, is what does that provide, not just primarily, but secondarily. So a lot of uh, agencies developing these, we call them not so much shelters, they're called safe rooms. When you talk to FEMA folks, safe rooms. So actually trying to harden their structures, a little extra dollars, but there's standards you have to go through to make it a, a approved shelter. But anything that has generator backup to that, of course, you have to have fuel supply to go with that, individuals that can maintain that, monitor that. So part of the government also is maintaining, you know, these contracts during emergencies and maintaining these generators. I have 77 facilities that I look at, critical facilities right now. I want to know the status of all their generators, who to contact, daytime, nighttime, to make sure they're ready to go. Obviously, the hospitals are a huge concern for us. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do have those conversations. We do meet every week, uh, my emergency support function five, and we talk about generators. Always about generators. Everybody's always there's Josh and talk about generators. Mm-hmm. But they're now, they're, everybody's trained. I show up, what's your generator status? Oh, it's kind of, what do you help do you need? Is it a transfer? Is it fuel? We can help you to a certain degree. Our, our private sector, we've stood up also with our business emergency operations center. Again, generators. Uh, WAPA is going to be great at some point. But we have to have a contingency plan if we do lose power. It could be distribution, could be transmission, or could be generation. Any one of those three go down. We have to be able to be essential employees and show up and be providing help and services. That's good. Do you got any openings in your agency, man? Always have openings. I, I, uh, it, 911 specifically, we just hired, uh, we onboarded four individuals uh, on, on Monday on St. Croix. We have some coming on St. Thomas. Um, we go through uh, Department of uh, uh, Division of Personnel for that. You have to take a test. You have to go through, do a background test uh, check on you. So if you did something young when you were dumb, you know, please, uh, you know, think that through. Uh, if you have to disclose what you did, we'll va- validate that. Uh, but we always have a need for on St. Thomas and St. Croix uh, for 911 operators. I do have uh, part of my hazard mitigation and public assistance. Uh, we put information out uh, to the press occasionally for updates. And I'm trying to fill at least my EOC position over on St. Thomas. We, mm-hmm. had, we thought we had an individual from the States, but they chose to stay in the States, which I understand. Um, we didn't get them a very qualified individual, but we want to go back and try to get another person um, in that position as an EOC supervisor on, on St. Thomas. And then they start moving up some of my staff up to fill other positions. I'll have a, another opening coming up. I think there's an IT position I'll try to fill here in, in the next couple of months uh, once I get the, my uh, my new logistics person put in place, which I'm hoping to enti- hire from internal uh, for Vitima once the Governor Brian approves that. So a lot of things going on in Vitima. Uh, fantastic group from operations perspective, plans, logistics, finance, uh, grants, uh, and then, of course, you have off-staff recovery mixed in there with hazard mitigation and public assistance. And then uh, we are moving towards what's called accreditation uh, for us. So really, it has to do with uh, international accreditation uh, that the BVI has, and mm-hmm. which is fantastic working with them, Director Penn over there and Ms. Armstrong. Uh, they have had accreditation for at least six years now. Uh, we started it back in 2014. Um, 2014, but because of the hurricanes, we backed off and 
we've been very diligently, Governor Brian asked for the last three years to work on that. We should have an announcement coming out here probably next day or so about the first step of the process uh, working on the international accreditation, which brings a lot of structure to the emergency management agency. Procedures, ex- uh, testing, drills. We have in October, we have a, uh, uh, a earthquake drill called the Great Shakeout. We do every October. October, I think it's going to be 19th this year at 1019. Again, it's, a, it's an earthquake drill. So what you're going to do is stand up our EOCs. Uh, we do something in uh, November with our key agencies called a Royal Rumble. It's going to be a continuity of operations drill. We've helped develop the, the continuity of operations. If you can't get access to your building because of something, how do you continue your business? What's important to you? Uh, we have in... Uh, the March time frame, we have uh, Carib Wave, which is a tsunami earthquake combination. Yeah, I'm familiar with that. Yeah. And then, of course, working with FEMA, we're going to back into, in May time frame, uh, getting ready for next hurricane season. So we will start in January with our agency stepping up procedures and processes mm-hmm. and it's exercising drills and validating plans, patient movement evacuation plan. It's a huge one for us with the hospitals and Department of Health and Human Services. HHS comes down and we'll validate that. Each year we want to get better at the plan, better with the tabletop exercise, move that to a functional exercise, move that to maybe a full-scale exercise like we do for points of distribution and our, and our uh, shelters. Now, uh, today... Um, health and EMS uh, were supposed to come in and join the mm-hmm. uh, conversation. Um, what's the triangulation there? What's the relationship there um, at this point um, in what we're dealing with? I know we're looking at the mainland uh, with COVID and all that stuff reappearing a little bit. Um, what are we looking at? Well, what we're underneath right now is a state of emergency as of the 18th of September with Governor Brian signing because we have a, the landfill, a landfill fire. Yeah. So we've, we have a unified command that's been stood up. Um, and VI Fire EMS is a lead agency for that with Director George being the incident commander. So the partnership between VI Fire to put the fire out, if you will, and mitigate that risk, and then with Department of Health, with the community, and any issues or concerns, because a lot of smoke has been coming out for the last, this is day 14 now. So we'll talk about the details of that, but we want to educate the community and tell them it's, it's not a trash fire, it's a landfill fire of vegetation, vegetation debris, it's like a smoke, like a campsite fire, but it's been going on now for for, night, for 14 days now, nonstop, pretty mm-hmm. much. And here they yeah, are. yeah. Okay. No, I just I apologize. I had a I didn't see the text message there, so we good. Sorry about that. Uh, let me get you here. Hold on to that mic there. Put on those headphones and and get you comfortable and all that stuff. Yeah. Morning. Morning. Joined joined by um the Department of Health and uh, EMS. Uh, sorry for keeping an eye outside. I didn't know. I was just walking when, when you come here. I tell them, never waiting on me. Okay. If I know I'm morning, Tita Encarnacion, Commissioner, how are you? I'm well. How are you? Very good. Assistant Director Stephen, what's up? Good morning. Good, good to good. hear your voice. I'm good to see you. We were just talking, uh, the, the um, director, Vaitima Director, was just speaking about um, the impact of the 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 landfill fire. Uh, state, of the, state of emergency declaration, what, nine days ago? Well, the 18th of the month. Okay, so, so what, what you had to do with that? What, what, you, what did I, well, you know that we're partners, right? Yeah, no, I'm talking to you. <laughs> what, 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 what you had to do that, 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 that allows the governor to be comfortable in declaring the state of emergency? Data, and I think that you that you always talk about, we have to Data. put the facts down, Data. right? Yeah, they put the facts down, let's see what's happening in the community and how it's affecting the community. Mm-hmm. And that's when we 
hit the, the trigger as to needing a state of emergency. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that um, Director George, who is our incident commander, um, he's <laughs> he, he puts a good point across mm-hmm. and it seemed very strong as well. And I think that um, Fire EMS, the EMS part of it, mm-hmm. really and truly looks at what's going on from a clinical perspective, linked to health. And I, I think that just putting all of that together caused us to say yes, it's time to, to pull the trigger. Yeah, the other piece of this, Noble, is we wanted to get some additional support from outside the territory. So mm. part of that is we use what's called an EMAC, which is Emergency Management Assistant Compact, which is a governor to governor. So this is not involving FEMA. This is gov- this is governor. So we went to governor of Puerto Rico, um, and we had to have a state of emergency declared in order to get assistance. And that's just that's across the states. No mm. big deal on that. Mm-hmm. So we were able to get the Puerto Rico National Guard, our National Guard, to work together uh, through my counterpart over there. And we're able to get what's called a helicopter. And what a helicopter is mm-hmm. in a Bambi bucket, which is a apparatus which hangs below the helicopter that can contain water and can drop water, in this case, on a fire. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're, they're used all over the time. So this bucket contains 660 gallons of water and basically came over for about a day and a half, dipped every three minutes and dropped, dipped and dropped, dipped and dropped during daytime operations. So Director Stevens, when I leave the racetrack, in St. Thomas, and I heading west, heading towards Bolongo. What what the land fire there? And the Bovoni. What 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 side of the road? Okay. And and the racetrack side, right? And the racetrack side. How far down from the racetrack is the landfill? You know. Because because they got they got a plaza there, right? They got a gas station, right? You got, you got. You put me on the spot now. No, 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 no. Why to that? Me too. We got two. We did the same situation, <laughs> right? Uh, the residential neighbor area of Bovoni is on the right hand side. Is on the right hand side. Heading west. Yes. Right. So the landfill there on the eastern side. Yes. Right. Right. And one of the questions, um, the the meteorologist from San Juan was asking me is, we know I got a land, uh, a, a land. We got it a landfill fire. That's mm-hmm. what it is, right? A landfill yeah, fire right. over there. Um, we hope that it impacting the residents. I said, well, look at the hope because of the prevailing wind, right? And the prevailing winds is is uh, in Saint Thomas, east, right? East. Is east to west, right? right? And, and, and and at least in the Virgin Islands, right? right? This part. So a good chunk of the island, at least on the southern side of the Saint Thomas Island, were impacted. Not really. Okay. Not really. Okay. Um, I I could let Tita talk about that a little bit, but um, we've only had one affected resident so far. We've had to close the school. Yeah. That's right next door. Yeah. Um, and well, the school that, a little bit a little bit down the down, down the way down. on top of a, on top of a, uh, a plateau. Right. right? And yeah. we've we've been hearing um, getting information that, uh, especially in the evening times, um, the smokers are getting as far down as Water Island. So some of those residents For real? on Water Island wow. uh, are, are smelling the smoke. Not that it's um, hazardous, but some people who are asthmatic or who have um, issues will will be able will be affected by the Not, smoke down. Hey, hey, miss, you got these people come here drinking tea. They never had it so good. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? No, I'm just teasing. Thank you for the hospitality. Well, that's what we do here. It's crucial hospitality. That's what we're talking about. Uh, yeah, so we got a, a joint deal here this morning. We got uh, Vitima, the Department of Health, and emergency, um, the, fire, the fire emergency management, uh, emergency medical, medical services, right? That's what it is. Mm-hmm. Joining us this morning. I'm going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about the, unifi- the, the unification Unified of the three of you, right? And all that good stuff. We'll be back right after this.
sometimes you need a moment to just step back, relax, and listen to your favorite song. I'm Raina Duris, and on the next World Cafe, maybe I can help you find something new to love, or maybe remind you of something you've been missing. There's so much music out there to enjoy. So take a moment, take a breath, and tune in to World Cafe. Weekdays at 10 p.m. on WTJX FM 93.1. So I spent the past year trying to figure out what news designed for 21st century humans might look like. One of the things that really stuck with me was that we now know that humans actually need hope to get up in the morning. And I don't think as a journalist, I ever thought about it that way. We're always looking for new and better ways to understand the world we live in. That's On Point with me, Meghna Chakrabarty. Weekdays at 1 p.m. on WTJX FM 93.1, your NPR station in the Virgin Islands. As the news gets more complex and changes through the day, you need more than just a quick headline check. Here and Now keeps you connected to your world between Morning Edition and All Things Considered as the news and the people shaping it are changing in real time. I'm Robin Young. Follow along on Here and Now, NPR News weekday afternoons. From 2 to 4 on WTJX FM, your NPR station in the Virgin Islands. These days, people go to great lengths to shed the stress of daily life. There's acupuncture, deep tissue massage, meditation, yoga. At All Things Considered, we offer our own type of healing, invigorating news stories that span the rainbow of human experience. Nourish your mind and escape from the ordinary. Weekdays on All Things Considered from NPR News. From 5 to 8 p.m. right here on WTJX FM 93.1. So we're, we're so we're back here uh, analyze this got a nice little uh, group discussion going on uh, we got um direct assistant director Stevens from the uh, fire services we got Commissioner Canacion from Department of Health and we got uh, director Jashin uh, from uh, Voitima. we got Carla on the line good morning Carla how are you good morning Senator James how are you doing today I'm doing good we're talking about the landfill fires yeah, and I'm glad you got Director Josh in there because I've been calling there because my daughter lives in Thomasville, and Thomasville is right up the street from Bovoni Landfill. And Something happened. This fire where we have the Bota Cibo Shelter Junior High School closed, we have the Antilles School, which is in the Frenchman Bay area closed, which is uh, west. Wait, wait, wait. Can we can we can we can we get a question can we get a question to to, to them? We are yeah, really aware of that. To know what are we doing about the residents that live adjacent to the landfill? Why? I mean, if we having the school closed, that means that there is some sort of particular matter in the release of that smoke that we don't know. We don't have any quality air monitors to let us know what's in that release. And it's just concerning that. Well, you know, well, we're not going to displace. Well, we're not going to displace the residents. 
right? Uh, um, so we we can speak we can about speak, that. Yeah. yeah, that's actually a well, good. That's actually a good question, sir. Call Kala, man, calm, calm down, man. Don't do that on my show, man. I'm de- and I'm serious about that. Don't do that. I'm a little upset. Yeah, 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 but hold on a second, man. Yo, don't do that. Don't do that. The commissioner responded. She said that was a good question. You wouldn't even let her respond. Oh, sorry, I, I didn't hear you. Yeah, man. Sorry about that. Go ahead, Commissioner. Okay, good. The reason yeah. why I said it was a good question is it's, a, it's something that we've been looking at. Uh, first of all, um, Director Jashin and AD can speak about uh, CSD and some of the monitoring that they've already done. And the type of fire that we're looking at is, is more organic. So there right now no chemicals or um, damaging substances have been identified. Mm-hmm. We are in a conversation with EPA as well up to yesterday. And um, they actually are in agreement with what we're doing. Um, they are going to be providing some more portable monitoring system. And then CST is actually going to be going back in this week mm-hmm. and to do some further testing. But let me speak about what his concern about it is, is mm-hmm. um, the community. Mm-hmm. And so the Department but, but, of but, Health... But before you get to that, mm-hmm. what... Uh, because his question is a legitimate question, right? I agree. Mm-hmm. For, from this standpoint, what levels did the fire get to that required BCB to close down? Smoke, smoke basically is really what we're looking at, not mm-hmm. because there are chemicals that we were concerned about. Mm-hmm. The smoke and, and the, the proximity of the fire, we have a lot of asthmatics throughout the territory. You know that. Yes. It's just something that, that um, is inhabitant for us as a Virgin Islanders. Mm-hmm. And the students were being affected from the smoke. And so for their safety, um, they, were, they got closed. However... Um, he spoke about, what's the name of the other school? He spoke about Antelise. Antelise actually closed for a week. Um, they had a few concerns. And so I was uh, there speaking with the superintendent, the leader of that school. Mm-hmm. And they agreed to close um, only because they had some concerns. They didn't want it to explain. But they actually opened this week. And so far we haven't heard, I haven't heard anything from them. So they have remained open. Mm-hmm. But then I could tell you a little bit more about what we're doing for the community as well when you're ready. Okay. Okay. What else I thought? Um, well, let me, let, so let me ask, let me go to you, uh, yeah. direct, Director Stevens. You're communicating with the Department of Education. We are. Right? And, and I want Because the commissioner did say that she appreciated the fire department keeping mm-hmm. her in the loop. Mm-hmm. And then they made the determination to close um, the caller's daughter and others affected. Right. So he, he has, like uh, Tita said, is very, his question is very valid, right? Because mm-hmm. that's one of our biggest concerns. That's why we wanted to get ahead of this thing and, 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 and shut it down. Um, she mentioned organic material. What is that? Right? Mm-hmm. Organic material are just is trees, um, shrubs, everything that we, veg, we call vegetative debris, all the stuff that we shred it up and put in the landfill, that is what is burning. Not trash, not metal, not anything else, but just vegetative debris. Okay. What does that do for you, right? Mm-hmm. It's the smoke. It is not hazardous. It's almost like you're doing a barbecue and uh, or using charcoal. As long as the charcoal is not um, treated charcoal or anything like that, that is. And and the reason why the schools are shut down is because of the smoke, mm-hmm. and we don't want the kids exposed to the smoke. But any kind of smoke is not good. Any kind mm-hmm. of smoke is not good. Okay. Right? Yeah. So this is also important, which, which brings me to to um to director. Uh, uh, Jashin, the caller is concerned because his daughter lives in Thomasville, which is on the western on, on the northern side of the road heading west, right? So we need to get into the advice 
mode now. What advice should we be giving to the residents who live in the Thomasville area, Bovoni, what, what have you? Well, I'm going to turn this over to the commissioner because we, we are focusing on Thomasville specifically right now. And we started yesterday with some boots on the ground outreach with Dr. Nicole Sims. So, mm -hmm. okay. oh. Commissioner. So we actually had eight of our outreach workers, including Dr. Sims and environmental health team, go out. We spoke to um, quite a bit of individuals knocking on the doors, have a van out there so they can come to us. So we have a specific questionnaire that we're asking them so that they can share with us their concerns. Thus far, no one else has had, had to be um, moved out of that area. We did have one family mm -hmm. that's very, very close to the, to the fire. And that that's in Bavoni, though. In well, Bavoni that's itself. Bavoni, yeah. that, very that, close that, that's to not the, Thomasville. No. Because Thomasville is a ways this, up. This, one, this family was like right there. Mm -hmm. And so in order for their safety, and with actually no, no physiological concerns as well, but we wanted to make sure that they remain safe. So they have been placed in a different area just for their safety, but we'll continue. We, we had, I think they were out there for five hours yesterday. They'll be out there for five hours again tomorrow and then listen to, and then they'll bring back the information to us. And then on Friday, we'll send out a report to the community to let them know some of the findings, some of the concerns, and to ensure that we're addressing their needs. Mr. Grant, you got another question because we got another call on, a, on another line. Yeah. The other concern that I have with the Virgin Islands right now dealing with health is uh, the Wapa water situation where I haven't heard any public service announcements being well, well, that, that water. Well, we talk, well, we're talking about the fire now. We, we will always get the Wapa. We always well, talk about Wapa. Okay, well, well, as far as with the fire, I would like to know if we could do a quality air monitor so we could know. Because they're saying it is organic material. Okay, fine. But, but they're doing that now. They're, they're actually doing that now. Methane? But but they're, they're, but they're doing that now. Hazardous materials out there that's on the landfill. Mr. Grant, Mr. Grant, you're not listening. Or they're doing that now. They're monitoring it right now. So, Mr. Grant, um, all I'm asking is when. Mr. Grant, Mr. Grant, how would the sir, be made public? Sir, a, yes, a, a few. Uh, this is Assistant Director Stevens from Very Fast Service America. Um, a few days ago, when this thing first started, we had the CST, which is our um, team for the National Guard, go out and do air sampling. The air sampling came back negative. Nothing was at the threshold that was dangerous to humans. To, to, uh, to, they were just regular smoke. We know that smoke in itself, you know, is not good. However, we did that sampling. We are prepared to go back out and do that another sampling to make sure that everything is still good. There's no chemicals in, 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 in the... Um, from the landfill that is that is affected nothing else is burning that would, would that is that we need to be concerned about you mentioned methane methane is not being affected we're not at that part of the landfill so we're good to go there we but what we will continue to do is continue to test um like uh, commissioner kanasung said that we were in talks with the epa the epa saw what we're doing they, they we had a good meeting with them yesterday and they were comfortable with what we're doing and what we're doing to take care of the, uh, of the community. So we are good there. Thank you very much, uh, the Assistant Director Sims. Another caller on the line. Good morning, caller. How are you? Yes, good morning. Now, you brought up the point about the smoke and who knows what type of toxic waste is burning there. But, but, but they're doing that already. Yes, yes. But what my point is, we need to start from the beginning with separating our resources using six colored coated dumpsters which the colors would be but, 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 but you, you but you've recommend you've been talking about that and recommending that for the last three years no 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 for the last 15 years 
years. Why? Like I'm talking about three uh, three plus years on this show. That's what I'm talking about. So do you have a do you have a question a specific question for either the Vitima director, the health commissioner, or the, or the fire what services assistant director? Guys doing as far as separating the toxic waste going to the dumps. Thank you very much. Uh, good question. Are we doing everything about separating toxic waste going to the dumps? Or that's a, or that's a um, waste management? That's, that's a very waste management question. Oh, okay. I do know that um, they do separation of, of, of the waste. Um, that's where they have the separation house for and all that stuff. Um, actually, you can actually see it at the, at the site here in right, Hope, right? right. They, got, they got like five, four or five different uh, right. bins that you, you uh, sep- uh, specific right. bins. You put, you put the specific it's, for, for household all waste, trash, all that um, stuff. green yeah. waste, all this other stuff. So they do have the, the separate containers and then they even go through it again once they get to the... Um, to so, the landfill. So let, so let me dovetail on that question. I'm trying to work with the, with the callers here. From an educational standpoint, this this is a learning experience, right? For all of us, right? It's a learning experience. So how do we go about making this an educational experience, direct digestion, if we were to give suggestions? Because that's what we hear. We're not here to point fingers and all that stuff. We just want, should the situation happen again, we're better prepared and more knowledgeable to deal with it. All right, so I'll go back to the beginning about how we handled the debris after the storms. Mm-hmm. So for St. Croix, and this is with uh, U.S. Uh, Army Corps of Engineers, we, were, we gathered up the debris. We kept it separate, you know, and this is vegetative debris. We basically mulched it and then basically we spread it out over a 140-acre field right next to the north or the airport on St. Croix. Mm-hmm. We've had no problem with the vegetative debris on St. Croix. Now on St. Thomas and St. John, after Irma, uh, Corps of Engineers brought that debris in, uh, vegetative debris from St. John, brought it over to St. Thomas, uh, reduced it down in about half, and they put it all together in the mulch into that uh, Bavoni area, not mixing it with the trash, but sep- keeping it separate. And Esper has been sitting since 2017. Wow. So what's happened is built up, and if you see the pictures, it's very tall, mm-hmm. it's very dense, and then you have underground fires start this. And you really don't see the underground fires until it's, it's way down the path as it starts coming up. So we're fighting fires that have been underground for weeks, if not months, starting. Un- unknowns to us. Yes, right. unknowns to un- us. That, that, yes. that, that, that's, to me, that's the, that, the yep. unknown dynamic, right, right. The, uh, assistant director? Yep. Yes. That, that, that's what creates a problem for us. So, so then the, the question is, how do we go about looking for fires, if, uh, potential fires? Well, Daryl George, the, the director for the fire service, what he's in tax with right now is trying to resource and get in our wheelhouse some um, some detectors that can that's detect the, fires on the ground. That's that. That's that. And find hot spots. Um, and we gonna work with waste management so that they could have that that same uh, type of uh, instrument mm-hmm. to so that because they're out there every day and then from time to time they could do their own testing and checking and seeing um, if there's anything on the ground that's burning. Because Remember this this, this 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 debris was thirty five feet higher. No, but not only that, I was just going to ask Tita this question. Didn't we have the same thing happening at St. Croix where ever so often we'd, had, we'd have landfill fires down here uh, at the airport uh, because we had the landfill was way up there? Is this the, isn't it the same? Well, we uh, fixed it. Di- yeah. yeah, fixed and, it, and, it, it, and difficult, difficult, different um, items that's being burned. Mm-hmm. So in St. Croix, we actually had a little bit more chemicals, chemicals being burned, opposed, and that was correct. a little bit more concern. Yeah. But one of the things that you said earlier is going back to the Unified Command, right? Mm-hmm. This is listening to all of the experts in one um, one area, one IT room, if you want to call it, virtual room, causes 
is um, us to be able to have conversations together and listen to AD and, and um, Director Juris speak to waste management and said, okay, well, you know what? In order for us to prevent in the future, there are things that we have to sit down and talk about. So I think it's important for the community to know um, the, it's facilitated by Director Jashin, but everyone actually gets an opportunity to voice their concerns and their opinion in a professional, educational manner so that we can, one, learn each other learn ourselves, but then learn how we are going to be working in the future to prevent things like this. What, what federal agency would provide those detectors, or, or, or is that something we got to purchase? Well, it, it, uh, Commissioner Oreo, we have these discussions on this. There's monies that they've been provided that they're getting forward to purchase some of these detectors or mm -hmm. different types of detectors. And specifically where this type, they're looking at having to go to Puerto Rico to purchase those. Also, it's the end of the fiscal year also on top of this. So yeah, yeah. Finish, he already identified Saturday, that. Yeah. And, and, and EPA also has the ability to provide some of this too. The EPA is always interesting because it's really, if you're not able to meet the needs, like any other federal agency, they will help and assist for a period of time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if this does turn into something that's going to be, you know, hazardous in a, in a sense, they will come and help monitor and help put monitoring stations in until we can stand up our own monitoring stations. Mm -hmm. And that's the intent behind it. It's a short-term solution, just like National Guard. It's a short-term solution with our own assets to provide the support, and then we come up with our own solutions as a government, and they can back off. Timeline, um, Commissioner, we got one minute before the next break. Uh, what, when are we hoping, oh, based on what the, the data that you're receiving, that um, we could allay some fears in the Bovoni, Nada area there, that whole area there, and perhaps Berta Seba Shelter uh, can look at uh, reopening. I'll let the, the professional answer that, but one of the things that I'd like to say is that we're also monitoring hospitalization emergency room visits. Mm -hmm. If we were seeing high numbers, then we would be concerned for the community even more. So we have not seen individuals coming forward with asthmatic attacks, smoke inhalation. So we're looking at that as well. And like I said, after after tomorrow, we'd be able to, because we're actually going to disperse that stuff even more into the community. And we'll be able to bring that information back. And we do have a hotline, and Director Jashin will let you know what that number is. That if you do have some concerns, call the hotline and we'll get there to you. I yeah, like definitely on St. Thomas, yeah. please you can call Vitima. The Vitina yeah. number is 340-774-2244. And again, 340-774-2244. If you are having, you know, respiratory issues and concerns, call 911. Fire, EMS, please, we'll be out there to help. Don't, don't, go, don't go anywhere. We're going to take a break. Uh, come back. We'll go a little bit past the 9 o'clock hour. We got the fire services. We got the Department of Health, and we got Vitima in the house this morning. I know we're going to be talking with uh, the Synchro EFT leadership in a little bit. Be back right after this. Nope. The views and opinions expressed on Analyze This are entirely those of the on-air participants and do not reflect those of the station's board, management, staff, or underwriters. Hi, I'm Peter Sagal. You spent the week listening to the news. Don't you think you deserve to show off what you've learned on Wait, Wait, We Give You a Chance to Impress Your Friends with Your Knowledge of International Incidents, Political Gaffes, and the Latest Advancement in German Nudists? You'll be the life of the party or the death. Either way, you'll make an impression and you can thank Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me from NPR. Saturdays at 1 p.m. and Sundays at 2 p.m. right here on WTJX FM 93.1, your NPR station in the Virgin Islands. He said that black smoke was constantly coming out of the burn pits 24-7. And my reaction to it was like, wow, that doesn't sound very safe. 
wonder what that's about. And in my mind, I couldn't imagine at the time that type of system operating could potentially harm our service members. Journalism that seeks and reveals. That's On Point with me, Meghna Chakrabarty. Weekdays at 1 p.m. on WTJX-FM 93.1, your NPR station in the Virgin Islands.